Hello and welcome to the latest podcast from The Lancet. I'm Richard Lane and it's Wednesday, November the 23rd. This week we're discussing a new three-part clinical series about multiple sclerosis. I'm delighted to be joined on the line by Dr. Jeff Cohen from the Cleveland Clinic. Jeff, do come in. Please give us your full title uh, name and affiliation, please. Jeffrey Cohen. I'm a professor in the Cleveland Clinic Learner College of Medicine. Also, I serve as the director of the Mellon uh, MS Center at the Cleveland Clinic. Quite a lot to discuss here. All the detail, as ever, is online. I do urge everyone to read the series. This is a very you know, well-known disease that's common to many people, but there still are some real question marks that remain, which we're going to discuss now. Jeff, can we start off by talking about diagnosis? It's so critical in many diseases, but especially early diagnosis in multiple sclerosis is key. Why is that? I think there are two reasons why making the diagnosis efficiently is important. First of all, it helps uh, alleviate uh, uncertainty for the patient. They have new neurologic symptoms, and they, they need to know why that is. Making the diagnosis of MS allows them to adapt to the new diagnosis, which is frequently a shock. It obviates the need for further unnecessary testing. But first and foremost, making the diagnosis early is important so that treatment can be initiated. It's also really important to rule out other possible diseases or conditions as well, isn't it? Certainly. So when people with MS present with a very typical clinical picture and, and very typical MRI findings, usually the diagnosis is, is fairly clear-cut. But MS is a, is a very heterogeneous disease, and, and sometimes patients uh, don't read the textbooks. And in those cases, uh, there's actually quite a long list of, of other uh, considerations. Indeed. And it's also absolutely cr crucial, isn't it, that we distinguish between the two main forms of multiple sclerosis, and presumably their pathophysiology is different too. Most people will probably be more familiar with the relapsing, remitting form of the disease, but there is this very slowly progressing primary pr progressive disease as well. Can you explain a bit more about the differences here? So most people with MS start with a relapsing, remitting course, approximately 85%, begin with neurologic symptoms in the context of relapses or exacerbations or attacks. Most of those people, unfortunately, if untreated, eventually evolve into a progressive course, so-called secondary progressive MS. And then about 10 or 15% of people begin with progressive disease, gradually worsening disease right from the beginning. The reason why that's important is, is that we think that the, the pathological processes that drive uh, the relapsing form of the disease are different than the processes that account for the gradual progression. And that has important implications for treatment. In terms of treatment, there has been quite a change, hasn't there, in the past decade or two. And paper two in the series looks very much at the management of multiple sclerosis. Can you sort of encapsulate what some of the main uh, treatment changes or innovations have been over the past decade? The treatment of multiple sclerosis has been one of the success stories in, in neurology. The first uh, effective treatment became available in 1993, at least in the United States. And since then, we've made great progress. There now are 14 medications with regulatory approval to treat relapsing uh, MS. So, so first of all, our, our repertoire of available treatments has greatly expanded, including the initial drugs, which were not very potent, but do have good safety. And then more recently, with additional options that include uh, oral medications and uh, intravenous medications that are given infrequently. These newer medications are more potent, but sometimes there's a trade-off between effectiveness and uh, safety. The second thing that's changed has been our treatment philosophy. So now as we've 
had the availability of more potent therapies, are we're holding the medications to a higher standard. So we're looking for much more complete control of the disease and better tolerability. And when we're talking about these treatment changes, are we generally applying or are we exclusively talking about the relapsing remitting form of the disease? Because the underlying pathophysiology here is to do with inflammation, isn't it? So it's by by intervening with the immune uh, system here, like beta interferon, which was one of the first treatments, that was actually changing the uh, um, immune function, wasn't it, which was critical to, to blocking development of, of the disease. Is that right? Precisely. All of our currently available medications are in some way anti-inflammatory, and they're targeted at uh, the abnormal immune processes which drive relapses and which drive MRI lesion activity. Presumably, the, the mechanisms that cause progression, this gradual worsening in the absence of those overt uh, inflammatory features are different, uh, and different, probably different therapeutic strategies are going to be needed to treat progression. And treatment, again, in terms of same with diagnosis, early is best, isn't it? Explain why that is. Well, for a number of reasons. One is that we know that our treatments, our anti-inflammatory treatments work better early in the disease when the disease is more purely inflammatory and less damage has accumulated and they, they work less well as the inflammatory features become less prominent uh, and more damage has accumulated. And secondly, it's important to start early because it's very hard to predict how, how an individual person with MS is going to do. Uh, and much of the disease is subclinical in the early stages. So uh, if one waits until overt uh, disability starts to appear, it may be too late at that point. So more and more our philosophy has been uh, to consider treatment as soon as we're certain of the diagnosis. Now, not every patient needs to begin therapy immediately, but we at least start considering it. Paper three in the series, and you're an author on, on paper three, I see, returning to the uh, more debilitating form in the sense that we don't have the same therapeutic choices, the, the primary progressive form of multiple sclerosis. Progress here, certainly in terms of um, pharmacology and therapeutic development, has been far less, hasn't it? So can you just discuss a bit about why this is the case, presumably and it, re it, relates to, it relates to our knowledge of the underlying pathophysiology of this more progressive form of the disease? The first point to clarify for the readers is that there are two types of, of people with MS with progressive disease. So one type, which is actually much more common, is so-called secondary progressive uh, MS. So this is progressive MS that was preceded by a relapsing remitting course. Uh, and in fact, most people with relapsing MS, if untreated, will evolve to a secondary progressive course. Uh, and then there are the somewhat more unusual uh, uh, patients uh, who have a progressive course right from the beginning. From the beginning, that right. that is so-called. That, that's the primary course. Sorry, I understand. Okay. Yes, thank you. Yeah, and more and more and more, we're starting to think that the mechanisms that drive progression in both those forms are the same. The difference is really whether there's a preceding relapsing remitting stage. There are a number of obstacles to, to treating progressive MS. We don't fully understand what uh, causes progression. And our, our anti-inflammatory therapies, which have been so successful in relapsing MS, tend to work less and less well over time as people become more purely progressive. Secondly, the, those patients have had MS for longer. They have more symptoms, so they're there are more symptomatic issues that need to be addressed. And then finally, they, on average, tend to be older, uh, so they have other medical conditions, so-called comorbidities, which can complicate things. Drawing this to a close, how would you summarize where, where the field is at? We've clearly come a long way 
in the past 10, 20 years, certainly therapeutically for relapsing, remitting multiple sclerosis. What are the main challenges that remain at this point, priorities for, for future research and, and clinical guidance? Well, we're starting to feel that we have a pretty good handle on relapsing, remitting MS. We have a fairly broad range of therapeutic options. So the main unmet need now is treating progressive MS, and it's becoming more and more evident that uh, different therapeutic strategies are going to be required. So to move that field along will require a better understanding of what the pathophysiology is of progression uh, so that we can develop therapies that, that address that. Secondly, and I think equally importantly, we need to develop better measures of progressive disease. We need more sensitive measures of disability, and we also need imaging and non-imaging biomarkers that measure the process that causes progression. One of the reasons why there's been such great success in developing relapsing-remitting drugs is we have a very well-worked-out phase two, phase three drug development strategy where we can use gadolinum-enhancing MRIs as the outcome in a phase two study to direct which therapies are going to be successful in phase three. We do not have a comparable methodology for progressive disease. And then finally, I would say we need to build on our successes. There now have been a couple of uh, phase three studies which were showed benefit in progressive MS, and we need to learn from those studies why they were successful. And I think with those uh, advances, we'll, we'll start to make some progress in progressive MS. Fascinating talking to you. It's a really interesting, important clinical series update on, on this well-known but still quite puzzling disease of multiple sclerosis. But clearly some great progress has been made, although, as you've just articulated, some, some clear priorities remain for the future. Pleasure talking to you. That's Dr. Jeff Cohen on the line from Cleveland Clinic, Lerner College of Medicine. Many thanks indeed for talking to The Lancet. Well, thank you.